millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Derek. <laughs> and I'm Ray. I'm Alex Reed. Hi guys, um, thank you guys for joining us for another episode. Um, it's me, Raifa. Who do we? Who else do we have? with us today actually you know what yeah i'm tired because i always introduce it like i'm the i'm the main person of you know i am it's okay i am <laughs> um, didn't have to say to you from friends and like oh like you're the lit in the mostly i am the lit in the mostly but you're not yeah. though but, but i am you, didn't they say that you're the hijabi queen of london call... yes everyone and keeps then, giving you so these, and, these and titles then these people man. actually had the audacity to call Derek beyonce of the group be the Beyonce I'm still very bitter and well, just oh, so 30 that. seconds already it took, she's coming for it, took, it took 30 <laughs> seconds it took 30 seconds but yeah guys thank you so much for joining us um, we're here for another amazing episode we have an amazing guest um, so would, would the guests like to introduce themselves please hello I am Courtier Newland or Courtier Newland we were discussing which way to say it either <laughs> way is fine with me but hello how you doing you right. oh man welcome Thank you, thank, thank you. you. Welcome so to Mostly Lit. Happy uh, to be here, very happy to be here. Yeah. Celebrating your news as well? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well <laughs> Congratulations, that, man. Thank you. That took me by surprise. Um, Somebody just tweeted, oh, in this list, and I was like... My manager told me. She yeah. sits opposite me and she just popped her head around. She's like, Derek, you're on this list, you know? I was like, oh, <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah nah. seriously. I was like, oh... I saw it from the, like Clarissa in the group chat. I was yeah. like, "What's what's that?" Praise <laughs> <laughs> like, manager. I was, I was like, like, "What's going on?" But yeah, but yeah thank, thank you, you so much. Thank you so much, yeah, man. So happy about that. Anyway, how was you guys' weeks? How's everything going? What are you guys reading? Oh, okay, okay. So I've been really looking forward to this section. So I read <laughs> the Rosie Project this week. Oh yeah. And it makes me so happy. It makes me ridiculously wait, happy. Wait, 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 wait. Are you not going to say shut, who shut, told shut you to read Shut your mouth. You didn't tell me to read this. Ray, you, you I did not. No, 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 no. You didn't tell me to read it. You just said, should we do this book for this week? Oh, my God. And then, and then you were like, nah, and nah, you were, nah, no, nah, no, nah, no, nah. no, no, no. To his credit, to his credit, to his credit, on the show, he's like, we need to read the Rosie Project. And he keep... said that. Come on. Ray, you're really <laughs> sitting there acting like I don't bang on about the Rosie Project all the time. Okay, well, I don't recall. Anyway, all I'm saying is, putting that aside... Okay, not everything's about Derek. Okay, <laughs> putting that aside, I really loved the book. Amazing, right? It was so beautiful. You know what? You know what? It was more so like, 
I'm so tired about reading books that are so heavy. That's mm. why I read it, you know. Like yeah. it, everything was so heavy. Is Every time like, I'm picking up something, it's like a racial this and a like, tension um, this and a horrible this. And this was such like this was like white people problems. This was like <laughs> this was like a this was like a, a love story, like a normal love story. And it was and don't a normal tell love story is white people's guy. problems. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at this connection that you're trying to make here. It was, it was, it was. <laughs> it's not a normal it's love story. It's not a love story, a but love it's story. not a normal one. But it's, it's sweet. It's it, right. It's really. Sweet. It's so beautiful, and I would really recommend you guys to go read it. And like when I What's get. What's your obsessed, favorite part? Oh, okay. My favorite part was mm. when um, they were in New York. Yeah. And it was this paragraph, and he was like, I think it was the happiest thing that has happened. He was just walking mm-hmm. with her holding her hand mm-hmm. and he was describing everything like yeah, yeah. As he does. He, and here here i was holding this girl's hand whilst i've just changed this shirt and the fact that rosie came in and disturbed his everything that was him mm. and there was a part when he was like i don't like yeah i find it hard to like form connections with movies and stuff mm-hmm. um but that doesn't mean i'm devoid of love mm. it's that moment that he realized that he was in love with her that i was like i swear we talk about love every week beautiful oh, this is, are we all loveless no, in but London? This, is so this guy like he has basically he has asperger's syndrome <laughs> but, t- but he doesn't really know it i'm tired he has but an awareness he, he, does he have asperger's no he does yeah does he does he? yeah i was reading like reviews and i was reading oh. i was watching oh the like, author was, but does, does, yeah, does so graham simison say that he has i haven't seen of him saying that but but there was so many times, even when Claudia, um, one of his friends, was like, "You should do this thing." She was like, alluding to the fact that he might have Asperger's. Because obviously, people always assume others have Asperger's. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Like you do, you do some, you have like a quirk or something, and then people were like, "No, but it was oh, different." It was, he didn't just have a quirk, Derek. Like he had OCD, and he was he was very depressed and technical, and he he found it hard to be. What everybody else was. I don't know. Unless the author said, this is what I'm doing. I want to hear, hear from the donkey's mouth. But, uh, okay, and it was just like, yeah, so I read that. And now I'm cool. reading um, Leslie uh, Necker Arima's um, yes. uh, What It Means When a Man Falls from the Sky. Love that book. I also want to come for Alex because what? I said, oh, you know, oh. I'm really looking forward to like, I'm reading this and oh my God, I want to write a no, short story. No, no, Ray, and, then, and then Alex are... comes to say, but you hate short stories. Yeah, and I'm like, don't Ray, tell me what I can yes, and cannot do. No, no, I, I never said that you cannot, you cannot, cannot do. So can I can't we, can change we, um, my mind. No. This isn't the Ray for short. No, 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 no. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, do you know? You you don't like short stories. Oh, Who my. said that? You did. Let's move on. Derek, what are you reading? No, Courtier, what are you Courtier, reading? Courtier, what oh, are you reading? <laughs> I was like, I'm not stepping into this. Uh, <laughs> um, You know what? I actually can't say what I'm reading like in a, Kind of official capacity. Oh, um, I'm judging the Dublin Literary Award at oh, the minute. Nice. So um, I've, I've read 160 books over the last few months, and I can't. That's all I've been reading. So I can't really talk about my books, books. You know, the books that I'm enjoying and everything. I'm not supposed to talk about any of them. It's weird. I'm coming on this show, and I'm going to sound like a secret agent because there's a lot of stuff I can't say. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, 160. Did you 160 say? books I just read, man. Wow. Um, and to be honest with you, I'm, I'm kind of getting to the tail end of it but to be honest with you I'm a little bit booked out exhausted yeah. I mean, I'm exhausted by reading I mm. kind of like I'm watching films and stuff I'm going to the theatre a lot because I just can't I'm like okay you know what I need to just, just sort my mind out again and yeah. get into the thing where I really really want to read books and I'm actually getting sent books by publishers so that's, that's good because yeah. the stuff that I want to read I'll look through those and say okay yeah. Um, um, I think um, 
shout out to is it Michael Donker uh, Hold uh, mm. it's, 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 it's coming it's coming so I'm looking yeah. forward to reading that you know what I mean like so, proof copy. Yeah, yeah yeah I'm looking forward to it. I just got a letter from the publisher saying can you have a look at this so I'm really excited to be looking at that but actually I went back home to my mum's house over Easter and when I got there she had a pile of books on the table the kitchen table and she was like I'm throwing these out. No. I was like, hold on a second, hold on a second. I start looking through them. And that's when I'm I'd looking fight. through them. And yeah, yeah, I'm like, there's about two or three books. Some of them were really young, but there's two or three books that I read yeah. when I was a teenager. Mm. There was a book called Pennington's 17th Summer uh, by K.M. Peaton. And that was my favorite book when I was a teenager. Mm. One of my favorite books. I had loads, you know, and I reread it. I, I said, you know what, let me just take this and I'll just read the first page and stuff. I ended up reading the whole book in the weekend. <laughs> and just getting right back into it. And interestingly enough, seeing a lot of stuff in there that I'd basically stolen. You know what I mean? <laughs> in a kind of literary sense. You know what I mean? No, stuff I mean, where you, I like could inspirations. see. Inspirations, yeah. yeah. Inspirations. Yeah, I could see scholar stuff going yeah. on in it. I could see things that I was even, to, like I wrote something like the other day, there was stuff that I've written that was directly influenced by that book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was just so weird. So that's something that I read that was non-Dublin literary award. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> All oh, right, boys. 160 books. So yeah. my so my my Goodreads book achievement <laughs> golden for the end of the year is 60. Yeah. So you just like do that out of the water. Yeah, but I, I, I just, I, that was forced. I mean, I don't yeah. think I would read 160 books yeah, if yeah, I wasn't yeah, yeah. forced to, to be honest. Yeah. It's good as much as I read because I read a lot, but, yeah. but no, no, I can't yeah. do that. Um, okay. um, me, at the minute, I'm not even reading. Um, I started, started reading Kayo, Kayo Chingoni's mm. um selection of poems that yes. he's got because he was nominated for the Dylan Thomas prize yes yeah it's a really good poems in there um and that's quite of what and I kind of been reading a few non-fiction books here and there a few essays just one of them weeks isn't it just one of them weeks it's really horrible it's really horrible reading. you can't really yeah I had that you, know, weekend, you just can't concentrate on anything couldn't. you just have to just bits and pieces here and there like and I was just so consumed with music this week but yeah yeah um what are you reading uh I just started reading London Fields by Martin Amos. It's, oh, yeah, it's, so yes. Yeah, it looks, it's, it's, I can tell I'm going to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I can tell there's going to be a lot in it, a lot going on. And <clears throat> I really kind of like that kind of like hyper realism kind of thing. It's almost like it's, it feels to me like it's going to be like a, a darker white teeth in the way that it's written and there's just so much going on and so mm. many different threads of, of lives and things happening. You're which, the one that came for me when I, got Martin and Kingsley confused. Yes, yes, Kingsley's the horrible. father. You're a horrible person. <laughs> Kingsley's the father. Um, um, but yeah, that, I've, I re- reread The Terrible again. I'm not going to reread it again. You and this book. But I, reread it I swear again. to God, if I read it and it is not what I expect it to be, I'm I not, will come for your neck. I'm not worried because I know everyone is going to love it. I'm not worried I'll at all. I'll actually come for your neck. Not worried. It's amazing. Because you've done incredible. this so many times. Right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But anyway, um, um, yeah, so that's what I'm reading. All right, yeah. cool. So do you have a gem this week? I do not. No. No. It's not, not going to be okay. terrible. That's good. <laughs> no, no, no. no, no, no. <laughs> All right. So, oh yeah, so, yeah, guys, we've got Courtney and Eland on with us today. So, we're just going to be discussing various various elements Books, around writing life. Stuff. I have tons of questions. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. I, I, I do like to Are you ready? <laughs> like to Are you ready for it? I am. I am. Can I, can I, I kick really? it off? Can I, I kick off? Oh, my God. Here he goes. <laughs> I just want to kick off, basically. Okay, you can kick it off, innit? I remember when I went to go and listen to you talk for the um the anniversary of yes. the scholar at uh, uh, Liberia. Uh, yeah, that's right. And um, you told the story of how 
obviously you came to write the scholar mm. um and obviously it's really interesting i just wanted to know if you could just retell it for our listeners Wow, was it a long story or a it short no, it story? No, it wasn't long. There was there it was, was the some, truth. There, <laughs> yeah, there was like some. There was about shouting a man down from his window, running oh, around with a manuscript. Oh my and, god, yeah. that that was that was kind of Stephen's story because that was how me and Stephen Thompson got to be friends. Weirdly enough, I don't know if I said it to Clarissa, but I don't know if I said it to you guys. Mm. Basically, where we are, this is my area. Yeah. Right? This is where I grew up. I went to school literally West down London. the road, uh, Burnett and Dane School. Shout out to the Burnett and Dane's crew, <laughs> my year. Um, yeah, so yeah, I lived down the road. I used to walk up this road literally every day because even though I lived down the road, I used to love to come to Grove. My best friend was in Grove. Mm. So I would walk it, you know what I mean? If mm. I had money, I'd get on the bus, I'd get on the number seven or the 70. <laughs> yeah. But if I didn't have money, I would walk up Barbie Road, yeah. cut through the estate. Noel Clark used to live up there, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. So, and I'd go straight because my friend used to live on St. Irvin's Road. So basically the quickest way to get to St. Irvin's Road from White City yeah. is just to come through North Pole Road, yeah. come up here, go straight through the estate, <laughs> Turn left and then you're hitting St. Irvin's Road, you know what I mean? So it's there by the bridge where Trellick is and whatever. So it's up and down here all the time. And Seven Feathers Youth Club, which I don't know if it's still here, but uh, is down that way uh, in the Sutton's Estate, which mm. is just down that way, uh, sorry, to the right mm. of where, we're, where we are, is where I wrote The Scholar. So um, I don't know, I just got lucky, man. My best friend who I used to visit in Grove, he was walking down the street he bumped into a guy called Barney Platts Mills. He was a filmmaker. Uh, he ran a, um, a filmmakers group for people in the area that wanted to be like, you know, do video blog, video blogs, there weren't no video blogs, video, uh, short films, videos and stuff like that. It's all on VHS. Mm. Oh, and uh, yeah, exactly. So wow. we're talking a way back, right? It's all on VHS and he would get them to go and shoot films. And um, he ran this, uh, it was Massive Video. That was the name of the uh, company. And he said to my friend, do you want to make films? Do any of your friends want to make films? And my friend was like, nah, I don't really want to. And my friend doesn't really want to, but he's trying to write this book. Mm. And he was like, really? Okay, so bring it to me. So uh, I had three chapters at a time. I'd written it on my, fr uh, my mum's friend's word processor. She was a teacher. She was training to be a teacher. So she wanted that back. Yeah. It, was like, it was called a Canon Star Writer. And it had the whole, it had the screen and it had the printer and everything was yeah, in one Yeah, I package. had one. I think I had a you similar had one. Yeah, I think I took it from my dad's cupboard once. Yeah, and yeah. I just started just playing and it started writing stuff. They were wicked. And it they prints at the same time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you just print it out straight away and it had this little blue screen. Yeah. But she took it back. So I wrote those three chapters and they're the three chapters that are literally in the book. And then uh, I stopped and I didn't know what to do. So I met Barney and Barney, I met him at the... Um, God, I can't remember the name of the youth club. There was a church, St. Helens Church, which is just on St. Helens Road, mm -hmm. just across the way down <laughs> there. And I met him there one night and I gave him my free chapter and I said to him, listen, if you try and take this, if you try and steal this and try and publish it and stuff, I'm going to sue you, right? I'm going to whatever, it's copywritten. And da, da, da. He's just looking at me like, what, what are you talking about? Sue me with what? I was just, you know, <laughs> little kid at the time, I think I was 20, 21. Mm raggedy kids you know what i mean so i just gave him the stuff and he said all right listen let me just go go away and read it and uh come back to you um i think about a week later i lived opposite the white city estate on mm. the a40 Westway. yeah uh so i lived in those houses on the other side of the estate i was just there by a little park central line runs around the back of it yeah. uh he knocks on my door one night and he's got like a ilia computer monitor <laughs> he's got a hard drive he's got a keyboard and he just said here he said, it's not yours. It literally had Ilya stamped on the side of it, right? <laughs> he said, it's not yours, mm. but here, take this and um, have it and write your book. You've got no excuses now, just write. 
my mum was like going, what does he want? You know, <laughs> she was like, what is going on? Why mm. would someone just come and just turn up at your house and give you a computer? That's amazing. You know, it's mad, right? So um, I took it upstairs, set it up, and then I wrote the scholar. I wrote it like, took it took me eight months, just sat there every day, five hours a day, wrote the scholar. Wow. So, and, and wow. literally, like I said, how it is, mm. I mean, give and take, you know. A few edits. Few edit <laughs> an extra three hundred pages that I had to get cut out. Yeah. I wrote eight hundred pages originally, uh, and then I had to lose another two once I got a publisher. But but that's the book. That's what I wrote. Yeah. Okay. So Man, where, where are these crazy. good people that will just give you like see the potential and just? We have just... everything as a generation now. I, mean, I know. Like, like, but we don't, we don't, yeah, we... but we don't have inspiration. Yeah. The people yeah. that can look at you and be like, you know what? I believe in what you're doing, and go ahead. A lot of the times, it's just mm. us. He came out of the 80s, you know, so he had an 80s mentality where that was just, you know, there was youth projects and there was all that kind of stuff going on. And we had a lot of that around here, which obviously is mostly all gone. But, um, you know, you could do that. You could walk down the street and there was like Portobello projects, which was yeah. down the road. You go to that if you needed housing, you know, as soon as I, you know, my mum was like, you know, you're out on your own. Because my mum had to break up with me. I didn't get kicked out of the house. My mum actually left. She was, she was like, you know what? I can't take this. Yeah. Mm. You and your brother, I'm moving. You guys, oh, wow. like, here's some money. <laughs> Go off and do your thing. You know what I mean? Because she's like, you lot ain't leaving. Because so, <laughs> I was set up nice. I was like, I understood what I had. You know what I mean? So I was just like, okay, I'm cool here. So my mum moved. And then, you know, I went to Portobello Projects and I could go and see them and they could get you a hostel and then you could get, you know, a, a, you know, a hostel for a while and then a flat and you were good, you know? So mm. you can't do that now. So there was all these, you know, it was before austerity, basically. Yeah. Mm. But before austerity of the heart as well, you know, mm. there was a lot of people who would just be like, you know what, we need to help these kids. You know, Barney was middle class guy who lived in Portobello Road. His um, dad was QC for the craze. So they were very oh, much okay. about giving back, you know, yeah, as yeah. well. So he taught me, basically, my first lessons in writing, basically, was all every day at his house. Yeah. Sit down, go through my stuff, red pen, yeah. do this. I mean, my stuff was real raw. Like, I didn't even know how to write proper sentences. Mm. You know, my sentences were just all over the place because it was just a splurge. Yeah. And he taught me the craft of editing. I learned that straight from him. Do you think that's what's kind of um, spurred you on a little bit to want to do the same thing for other people? Oh, in yeah. terms of teaching writing? And definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I definitely felt the same way. I have to give this back. It was like such a gift. And I say to people, you know, I, I probably... I don't know if I'd have got published if it wasn't for him. And people are like, oh, no, you would have done it and you would have done it. And you lot can prove that as well because, you know, like you said, you didn't really have that, but it can be done. But he made my life a lot easier. Mm. You know, he made it a lot easier for me in terms of, like, connections. I didn't know anyone. Mm. And I literally was... It's mad. I just, you know, I literally was, like... People say, oh, a kid from the street. Like, that means, like, thuggish or whatever. I'm not even talking, like, on that level. I just was from a working-class background. Mm. Had no ends. connections. Yeah. yeah. Mm. That's it. Yeah. So before you had, like, you said you had, like, three chapters. Mm. Um, before you ha had them, um, what was it that made you, because I know you were quite interested in music. Yeah. Um, but what was it that made you put black youth culture and the music because music literally as soon as you begin this novel yeah, you yeah. hear the music, the music yeah. um what made you want to put those two aspects in a in a novel form rather than anywhere yeah. else can i quickly just ask so sorry Ray, uh, just quickly were you a rapper or were you a, a jungle mc i was well i was more a rapper i was a rapper and a jungle producer okay i never really got into the MCing thing although i respect all them man you know what i mean but yeah. just it wasn't really for me because i was still into hip-hop okay. so for me if i'm spitting i'm spitting like a rapper I wasn't right. spitting like a jungle MC. So uh, 
Sorry, that's, I just wanted to ask. No, that's sorry. but it ties up to to raise question because that's what it was. It was that I come out of that. So all my life has been music and books. It's been those two things. Those were my two great passions. So you know, I'd want to play the drums. Oh, I can't play the drums. I want to play the guitar and all those things. But you know, my parents couldn't really. They didn't have the money to put me in lessons yeah. or play the piano yeah. or anything like that. We couldn't afford it. So which is why I want to do it for my son. But he's like, no, I want to learn by myself. <laughs> but um, but but the, the thing that I could do without any money was read books. You know, people were just literally giving me books. And then uh, like my grandmother's friend. Mary, I love Mary to bits because she put me on the path as well. She worked at Galance. I don't know what she was doing there, but she used to get all the throwaway books that they didn't want. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And she would bring them to me and leave them in my grand's house and I would just go through them. And I'm reading proper adult books and everything. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. sci-fi or whatever. But I just read everything. And uh, because they, I was a black kid who loved to mm-hmm. read, I got everybody's books. What's Galance? Uh, publishing company. Oh, okay. Still going. They do a lot of sci-fi and stuff. Oh, right, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, they did everything in those days. It was a really big company. We're talking like, must have been like early 80s, I think, at this point in time. So I was, you know, I was reading loads and I was really into reading. And so for me, it was natural to put the two things together, to put mm. music and, and the books together. Because even while I was rhyming, I was reading books in order to help me rhyme. You know what I mean? And so now it's kind of reversed now. Like I'm listening to music to help me write. Yeah. So um, it's always fused. Yeah. There's no disconnect whatsoever. And I see MCs as kind of like, you know, as authors, you know, I see Mm. them as, because that's exactly what what I was. I came from, you know, writing lyrics straight into, you know, uh, writing prose, you know? So to, to me, there's not, I don't really make distinctions in that sense. Like I write screenplays, I write TV, I write theater. I don't really try and make distinctions between those things either. It, of course, like they're different formats. But they're all coming from, but they're like all the, coming same. from the same. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it's all the same source and they're all storytelling in some. Yeah. You just learn to master the different forms, I think. Cool. Interesting. Cool, cool. So what, what, after you wrote The Scholar, was it money that motivated you to write Society Within Straight After? Or was it like, okay, I've still got more of, of story to tell about this. Let me just get it all out. Nah, I mean, the motivation for society within, it was kind of monetary in the sense that I was really broke. Mm. Like, <laughs> like, I was like, okay, I really need to, not in the sense that, you know, I had some money, but I was like, I'm aware that I have to make more money and this is my thing now, this is how I make money. There was that. But more compelling than that was the fact that I'd written another book called um, Altered Minds. And it was about my, I had experiences of squatting in Labrick Grove around here. And mm. that was my second book. And it took me 18 months to write and it was like something like, you know, 250 pages, you know, however have, have many words. And it was complete crap. It just, <laughs> it just bombed. You know what I mean? That was, my, that was my second book. And I wrote the whole thing and spent a you know, you know, load of time on it and stuff. And I was just like, wow, what do I have here? This book here that just doesn't work. And that was the compelling thing that made me write uh, Society Within because I was just like, you know what? I need to get back on this horse, man, right yeah. now. Because if I stop right now, that'll be it. That my career is done. I'm over. Uh, what can I do? What stories can I tell? Uh, what have I got? And I had a handful of Greenside stories. I had um, a story called Midnight on Greenside, which isn't the one that's in Society Within. It's a different version of that, mm-hmm. uh, a bit a bit further down the, r- the line, about a guy who's already set up a pirate radio station and how he goes about maintaining that. So, and I had um, I had a story called Small Island Mindedness. Okay. 
and I had the Ute Man and the thing that I don't know if we can say on air. But <laughs> like, so I had three so stories we which were like, you know, like uh, really not meant to be part of a whole. Yeah. And I just had an idea. I was looking at them. And I was like, you know what? If I just write a few more stories and knit these together. And I find it interesting, Ray, that you said that you um, don't like short stories because society we're in is basically a collection of short stories. So, it yeah. So, kind of, yeah. I can't agree with that. Um, <laughs> wow. Um, no, I actually wanted to ask because, so um, obviously the scholar was like told from a male's perspective and yeah. there were a few girls there and yeah. stuff, but I felt like Alicia's story mm. in Sight Within was very different. Mm. And uh, what I wanted to know is what inspirations, were, like what inspirations of women yeah. in your life were you able to draw upon to write women? Um, because obviously you're a man. Who was she? Yeah, yeah. Who was she? Not even that. Not even that. What did she do to you? It's more so like. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Ray's trying to do. Asking who hurt you? <laughs> who hurt you? Essentially, but more so like. Oh, many, you know, many. Like the, you know, I always feel like the, the, there's a certain not audacity, but like for a man to yeah, write a woman, course, it's very different. Is. It's so it's like you know what propelled you to do that. Yeah. Um... I, that's a really good question. Um, I really, I have had, will have, I hope, you know, <laughs> lots of like women. women friends, you know, like who are just my friends, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, obviously like women in other capacity, but like I think generally I've always had people who are just my friends and I'm just down and we just roll, you know what I mean? Like mm. we're just hanging out. And um, so that was the main inspiration. And with the scholar, I really wanted to tell their stories. Like, yeah. like they yeah. were bursting out, like Rosie. Like yeah. she had a little section by herself. And then sometimes I would do Sonia by herself. I really wanted to follow them. Yeah. But I was just like, I can't. It's them not story. And mm. I can't get like distracted. And that's why it was 800 pages, because yeah. I was mm. getting distracted. And I yeah. had to hone it, it back focus down. In the, yeah, yeah. In the narrative. I had to focus on the narrative of uh, uh, Corey and Sean. And even their story was uh, distracted sometimes, you know? So, um, Society Within was like, okay, now I'm going to tell more of a women's story. And I was scared, you know. I didn't, I still backed it up with lots of guys' stories because I didn't want to go the whole hog. And I feel like I should have gone the whole hog. I should have just, you know, really told it just from the women's perspective. Mm. But I also felt a little bit like it was audacity to mm. do that, to do that, you know. So, um, yeah, that's really what I wanted to do. I just wanted to say, okay, what is the estate like from a woman's perspective because I'd never seen that before like really and just without all the issues and stuff as well you know just like everyday stuff yeah and lots of girls said to me at the time they were like oh when Alicia sees those her friends and stuff they should have been a fight or something you know what I mean they Ooh. should have had an argument they should have batted <laughs> her up and they shouldn't have just like been so accepting of her but I was like no I don't I don't think so I think I want to show something else yeah. do you know what um, reading <laughs> on the scholar like obviously the first few pages like they they catch you. Yeah. I was just like on the yeah. tube thinking, what the, what the hell's going on here? Mm -hmm. But then there's also like, have you ever thought about like making it into like a TV series? Have you ever thought about putting it into TV? Because I thought the one thing that really like um, pushed me and made me relate to was that, was Baby, you've, you've seen Baby Father. Oh yeah. Show. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you seen it? Well, Baby Father. Yeah, of yeah course. The, the show. Of course the I've seen this show. So like it reminded me of that. It reminded me of that whole kind <laughs> yeah, of environment. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Did you know I realised like, you know what I mean? Like they're all in the estate. They're all in, like, you know, yeah, yeah. obviously there's a sound man and he's yeah. here or there and whatever. Mm. But have you ever thought about 
Oh yeah, many, many times. And originally when I did the deal, when the book was first released, I had, like, there was going to be a three-part TV series. Yeah. It's going to be this and that, and Society Within was very nearly a TV series. Yeah, yeah, it still, it still kind of works. Society Within wasn't that Northwest 10? Um, West 10 LDN, yeah. yeah that West was, 10 LDN, yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah, exactly, yeah. that was that. Yeah. But there was even way before that, there's meant to be oh, something on Channel 4. No Clocks. No Clocks, oh, that was from LDN. The, oh, that's yeah, Society Within. Yeah, okay, yeah, but it was only a pilot, and then it didn't get picked up. So there's it's always got kind of all almost happened and then not happened so yeah i definitely society within was meant to be the tv series the scholar was meant to be the film yeah and i'm still kind of thinking about working on the scholar the film but oh, i've been saying every time is, uh, like when someone tells me like oh what's this book about yeah, yeah, yeah. i always say it's like boys in the hood but like yeah, yeah. the british yeah, version exactly. yeah. so i definitely feel like you can yeah. and I, I was reading up some things on like so like criticisms yes. about the book yes. and about how um is it actually capturing the black British experience? Because yeah. obviously it's called the scholar is like the West Side yeah, story. Yeah. So yeah. is it is it something that actually captures the black British perspective from a man's perspective? Mm. Or is it just a reimagination of yeah. uh, black America? Black America. Yeah, um, yeah. I remember that essay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very well. Uh, that, that that caused a lot of uh, fireworks between yeah. me and the author at the time. We're cool now, but uh, okay. yeah. At the time, it was there was a lot it's of back and beef. forth emails. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, literally like a kind of like you know, I don't know what you'd call it, man. Not a West Coast East Coast thing, but like, <laughs> mm. England America yeah. thing where we were just firing off. But no, I think you know it's really interesting to me that that was said, mm. especially in light of this week in London. Mm. What happened at the time, as far as I'm concerned, is that I was saying stuff from my experience of growing up in London that no one knew or believed was actually happening. Mm. It's different now. Everyone understands that. Partly because um, I was thinking at the time when I wrote it, and this goes back to what I was saying about like wanting to just give something to people where they were like, this is my culture and this is us and stuff, because that wasn't apparent at the time. So partly because now we've got grime. You know what I mean? We've got TV series, we've got Brothers With No Game, we've got this and, that and the other, we've got, you know, a man like Mo Beam, we've got, it's normal to see that kind of lifestyle or those kind of people on TV. Yeah. But in 1997, there was like literally nothing. And when it was done, it was done quite badly when people tried to do it. And it wasn't done from the point of view of people who'd actually lived it. So um, I understand in a way why someone in the States would be like, you're just trying to be American. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Because... You wouldn't know. It was just so, we were like, um, um, uh, Yasin Bey, Mo Steph. Yeah. It's got that lyric, um, Invisible Man, got the whole world watching. Yeah, yeah. I love that lyric. You know what I mean? It's, I love all of his stuff. But um, yeah, I always, that always, you know, that always plays in my mind because I was like, we were the invisible people, really. Yeah, never mind about American culture, but nobody was watching. Mm. And all this stuff was going on. And now I think that's kind of different. Now that's changed a bit. It's yeah. almost glamorous now, isn't it? It's, it's oh, we glamorous. Love the British accent. We love it. No, not that. I mean, not like even the, that. The hood narrative. Yeah. The hood oh, narrative. Everybody, is everybody wants to kind of attach themselves to the black working class struggle. Thing is, you yeah. say that, but then I, I don't know. I, I don't necessarily. When you, when you, what do you mean by that? When you say I mean, like, when, say like oh, attaching yourself to like yeah, um, music I mean, such as like, like a lot. Yeah, you see a lot of it. You see a lot of people who have never experienced certain things, but they, 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 they reference things that they have no clue about like cultural references in terms of black working class culture like when i think about it, i it's, it's probably sounds strange but i i often make a distinction between black working class and black middle class in my head mm-hmm. because i know yeah, the yeah. experiences though not drastically different they are quite different 
Do you know what I mean? And through Hirsch talks about this in her book as well, yeah. in British, about how she did feel detached from being black, being black because of the black working class. The culture was, it was mm. so, re- like, it was more refined as well. Yeah. And because it was more concentrated in one area, there were certain things that she just couldn't relate to. And I find that people now attempt to relate to it disingenuously because they oh, know right, that it's kind so. of, it's popping right now. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think the same thing goes for um, uh, middle class experience as well. A lot of people are acting like they're middle class when I know that they're not really. <laughs> I mean, I know that they come from a working class background. Yeah, yeah. But you're like middle class aspiring, you know what I mean? But, yeah. you know what like, which is okay. We, you're we reaching. should aspire to things, you know what I mean? That's okay. Mm. But but I just think that, that there's also that going on. But also there is working class aspiring too, where people yeah. are talking a certain way and you didn't come from that either. Yeah, and and, I, yeah sorry. I agree. Yeah, and I think also... Um, you don't have to talk that way just because you come from a working class background as yeah. well. I mean, my mom's from Harlesden, man. If you yeah. ever hear my mom talk, you know what I mean? It's just like, she's proper, like, she's well-spoken, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? She doesn't do all that. Mm. So, and, and I've got friends whose yeah. mums are the same, so. Yeah, this, I had this big, like, big discussion with my dad because he's from Kensal Rise. Mm. And, like, we had this discussion about what is it, what it, what it means to be working class and, mm-hmm. like, middle class and all these different things. And, like, it's really interesting to see the perspective um, of like his generation and like ours. And while we're probably still considered as working class black people, it's figuring out, it's figuring out like, like the, the tools that you have available to you. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like in that, in my dad's time, my mom and dad's time, probably yours as well. Mm. It was like, you know, the, the schools were, the schools are still against us. But the schools were against us, um, the, all these other institutions were. Mm-hmm. But there's this, there's this little element of, you know, you can still do these things. Yeah. You can still go to university. You can still do all of that. So just by, I feel like just by that default, you tend to be able to be perceived as moving out yeah. of that class. Yes, exactly. But it's just always, it's always a big discussion to have about it because it depends on how you feel, yeah. right? And totally where, you, where you're placed in that situation. And it p- depends on, on, on what you want as well. Mm. Um, I I do not personally, and I know a lot of writers feel differently, I do not personally believe that because I have a middle class job, which very much is a middle class job, yeah. I can't deny that, uh, I have become middle class, you know, I don't believe in that. I still believe that my in my heart and my soul and culturally and stuff, I'm very, very working class. And I don't, I think in the 80s, I think it was possible, and even before that, it was possible to be, possible to be intelligent, and and well-read and cultured and all those things in a kind of middle-class sophisticated whatever that means sense and still be considered working class Mm -hmm. i think because of the decimation of the of the working class in the 80s and 90s you know early 90s and stuff people don't want to be attached to that so much anymore Mm -hmm. you know it's it's seen as like kind of like really negative and um and and something that people don't feel proud of in the same way you know and i i just don't feel that way myself so um it's difficult you know it's difficult and i know you know what even if i wanted to feel really really middle class um as soon as i got into the publishing industry it was stark Mm -hmm. (laughs) like you know like the differences and i can be like yeah when i was in school uh this that 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 that, 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 that used to happen and then these people are looking at me like completely how did you just say (laughs) a lot of the times when people like you get a job and people think that class is attached to the job that you have. Mm. I feel like it's yeah. very horrid to the experiences that you had growing up because yeah. those experiences feed into what you are, your mannerisms, yeah. uh, the way totally. the, the way you think. Yeah. And I think that is all the opportunities that are around you, all the opportunities that you think are around you, the places that you think you can go mm-hmm. to. And when 
when, it's yeah. just like and when those people are saying oh so now you're this so you're like middle like you're middle class i'm like yeah, yeah, you, I still live in ends. I'm. These are still right, like, right. and I'm. It's really just. Oh I'm like, come on, get doing? off there, man. What do you mean? If 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 no, I if, feel like you you think this label no, 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 should, wait, should like okay no now you're out no 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 no, no you're not mid you're not, not no, working no, no. class what, what I try no, to what are you doing you didn't have those people's grow growing up like no 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 what I'm trying to say is that when you have a when you get to a certain point right let's say for example you're you've now got a middle class job. You live in a middle class life. You right? have a middle class job. Listen to what I'm saying to you. You're living a middle class life, yeah. I mean, if if no, I'm just mean? saying generally, yeah. yeah. Mm. If that's your reality now, yeah, then all of a sudden there's an opportunity that comes along that is would be suited for someone who is still in a working class environment, working class life. If you then come and come and try and step down from where you are, that's th- very like, few and far between. No, no, no. And then say, opportunity? What do you mean? Let's say, for example, there's like oh. Um, let's say they're like, oh, we're looking for working class people to do this, this, that, and the other. Like you're what? uh, whatever you're to to write a book or something or to contribute to something. So you think and that then, person's not working class. I don't now. think you have a right to then say, oh, well, I was working class before. But it's not I was. It's I that, that, am. That's, that's what I'm just, no, I don't know. Like, no, because you, know, you think money. Saying. Now you have money. You can't say you're working class. Is that it? Uh, yeah, pretty be, much. No, like, because uh, it's, a lot uh, of it is about literal, economic literal, stuff. literal label. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. But we're talking about there's a cultural aspect to it. There's, there's a, a there's that how, there's money how, cannot how, take that away. There's yes. how you up. There's how you. There's how you. Oh really? No, yeah. no. Because okay, so thing is, because, <laughs> because one second, you can go into. I'm gonna fight. You, I know, I know, I know. I know, I know, but, I know, but take two breaths. <laughs> mindfulness, right? All right, mindfulness. mindfulness. I'm just. So basically, yeah. You know when when you're when you're black when you're black and working class and you go into a middle class job, you are still black and working class in a middle class job, and the, and the the class is not. A black middle class job. Mm-hmm. Do you see what I mean? So you're still othered all the time but within that place. My whole thing if is you that come from a middle class, if you come from a middle class environment into a middle class job, yeah, then mm. of course it's going to be slightly different. Also, and then there's certain things that you can't write, things that you can't write on, or things that you can't experience because there's certain. For example, I'm not saying if you, you, can't, if you, if you I'm were talking about you mentioned you mentioned say you know Afua Hirsch right. So if she went into if she went into say publishing etc. and then she was writing and, she, da, 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 and they said oh they're looking for working class writers and then she went to do to went to do that I don't know I don't know that would her, be her, no her childhood her growing up she's not working class exactly that's what I'm saying okay. that's that's so, that's, a, that's a typical but can I just I give, I can I just give you an example um Derek, it's exactly, right it's you personally exactly I feel what, like the job that you have your uh, like it's a it's a middle class job okay mm-hmm. but do you can you sit there and say mm-hmm. that you are middle class are you middle class? Not yet. Oh, so, so, <laughs> right, so, okay, wait. So, so, yeah, so you're trying to tell it. me that when, say, you um, go higher up the ranks mm-hmm. and you earn a bit more money, mm-hmm. you're trying to tell me and then... you assimilate, you change. No. People okay, well, you can assimilate, you can change, but you don't have to change. Also, I feel like you think you push, that that's all you that you're going to be surrounded with. I work in the city. I come home back in East London. Right. Like, do you know what I mean? But how long are you going to be living in ends? How do you, like... Why are you trying it to tell me matter. these things? I feel like you're trying to rip this label no, no, from no. me now because I'm in this. Ray, place. When, did, when did this become about you? No, I'm it's not about generally. me. I'm giving you an example. But what I'm saying is, so, so in your eyes, mm-hmm. you know, you, you working in this industry, you get a, like you have a job now, like uh, a middle class job. You get money, you you rise up the ranks, and then you assimilate. And I don't know what that means to you, but you assimilate. Okay, well, and then you're trying to tell me that in twenty years time. Somebody's gonna ask you, you know, like, well, what are you like? What class are you gonna be like? I'm, is, I'm middle class. It's not no, about no, what they ask you. Okay, it's about, what it's do about, you feel? It's about you would how, think that you would, 
you you would no. see yourself as middle class. It's about how he addresses the distance. That yeah. It's about how he addresses yeah. the distance from where he is to where he's come from. Yeah. And about and the same with all of us. You know what I mean? You get to you move. If I'm you're, not if, saying if you don't move up the ranks, but I'm saying that you're trying to. Why you want to be working class so badly, Ray? No one wants to be working class so badly. You've to bruv me now, yeah. No, nobody wants to be working class so badly. It has nothing to do with that. What I'm saying is it's very horrid to like remove someone's identity of what they grew up with, what they go home to, and say, oh, you're not working class no more. Ray, it's not about everybody else. As if this thing that's like amazing. The thing is, I think the key thing is it's not about everybody else. What are you talking about? It's not about, like if Derek says to me, oh my gosh, you're not working, I'm like, I know how I grew up. I know what I grew up in. Yeah, and I know okay, my and I know my environment. Fight, that's, that's it's a, it's a completely different. It's a completely different environment to like similar, di- completely different environment to what you grew up in. But what my experience, probably there were some similar elements. It is a weird thing but though when someone says that. It's to a, you, you know what I mean? Like it's it's a weird thing. It's them. I've had it said to me so often. Mm. People say, "Oh no, but you're middle class now." I'm like, "What? That's none of your have business." You not, yeah, it's not a. It's none of your business. B. Have you looked at me or yeah. listened to me or read my stuff or whatever? Even, it's that like my whole makeup is want, not that. I was even yeah. in a conversation yesterday with somebody, and um, we were talking, and I was talking like, and I was like, "Oh, they're like, oh, where are you from?" <laughs> and I was like, "Oh yeah, Northwest London." They're like, "Oh, you got a really South London, South London voice." We own. I, I, I was like, well, "Oh, you got that voice." <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, yeah. so, "I was like, yeah." In, I, I know what they meant by that. Yeah. They don't need to. You know what I mean? What so, do they mean yeah, by yeah. that? I mean, you can make a guess. You can make a guess. They're probably thinking about you know this, like, this whole urban voice. You yeah, must yeah. be from. You know, you've got to recognise. You've got a very black voice, so therefore voice. you can't really be from. North Another London. Part, Your London. voice or the way you speak? Oh, sorry, the way you speak. Like oh, the way you speak. Oh. Sorry, sorry. Oh, the way okay, you say. Okay, okay. You sound. Sorry, they said you sound like you're from South oh, London. Oh, oh, oh. And I was you like, sound like you're from South London. There's a lot of different people from South London. In my head, I'm thinking, let me just continue this <laughs> right. conversation yeah. because yeah, I, I haven't got time. I was posh at school, and they didn't know that it's because they only used to put BBC News in my house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I was watching. But this is what I'm saying. Uh, man. My my son is very well spoken as well, which freaks me out sometimes because he's so well spoken. And you know what I realized? It's because. At night, when he was little, when when he was going to sleep, I used to put on like Paddington CDs, and the guy, I think it's Michael Bond, he's like, you know, he's narrating this thing, and he's really, and he now speaks Pick a little bit out. like Michael yeah. Bond, you know, I mean, he speaks like what's around him, you know, I mean, really, it's just an accent, you know, it's really interesting that, but I'm interested in to, like when 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 you said that you you assimilate and you um you become middle class, like when do you think? That will happen when you when you imagine it happening to you. Like you said, you're not there yet. Mm. But when do you imagine you would be there? I think when I when I, <laughs> I think I can one I can say to myself, okay, like I need to stop. Like there's just some things you stop you stop doing because you don't need to do them anymore mm. as well. And like you said, the people around you, the way you speak, it it begins to change, and the way you think begins to change. The way all of, all of those kind of things. Like I like for example someone who works in the city who let's say for example they're, they're an investment banker they end up having to move out of ends they're now living around a lot of um, middle class people all of their friends are middle class they're going to these middle class places they're going out to eat in they like to eat in certain places that their friends from ends can't go to because they, they don't have the, the economic means to do yeah. that for you to be living in that environment for 10 years and then turn around and start being like well yeah obviously I'm working class it's a bit mad to me mm. it depends on the relationship with, with back home so if yeah, they, so, so if yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's why so I said moved out ends. No, no, no. You're not around those people. Yeah, anymore. that's what I mean. So if they, but if they go back, it depends. Like it depends about like because you're talking about professional class, mm-hmm. and then I think that there's a slight there's a slight difference because mm-hmm. if they're in that environment all the time and they're around those people, there's going to be it, it. It does it says a lot about the person. 
Because yeah, but it's you start because to change. Like, no, no, not necessarily. Because you're classing okay, so now, now. You're classing them with the same brush. Because some people, some people, whoever, like you know, if they if they're in a, any particular professional class, you're saying they're going to be around that and they're going to change. Some people, I say, no, people change. Some people don't. Some people, saying, and, yeah. that's, and that's I think what, that's largely because they hold on to it. Is it wrong to hold on to it? Like someone like Ray Winston or something like that. Mm. I'm thinking, is Ray Winston like Ray middle Winston. class now? Because I mean, hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. He's an actor. Yeah, right? actor. He, can create, he creates roles and creates characters. Yeah, so, yeah. But who is he? I suppose, and we don't know. I suppose, yeah. yeah, but who yeah. is he really? Like he still speaks with the same accent. Uh, when yeah. you hear him in, and in his daughter, view, and his daughter acts in the same roles as well. So yeah, it's like, yeah, like, yeah. It's, true. It's I mean, of, you can say money. But yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, you can say that someone is working class, but then also say they're from ends as well. Do you understand mm-hmm. what I'm saying? I think you, you can still do that. Mm-hmm. Like someone like Ray. Like you said, Ray Winston. He doesn't mm. Clearly, the, the guy's he's middle class now. In my eyes, middle class. But you right. can, economically. But you can, yeah. But then you can still be culturally. like, oh, but he's from Ensdor. Sometimes you talk to someone who you like. There's a guy at work. He's clearly middle class now. Mm. The way he conducts himself, everything. But sometimes when we're talking, he slips back into this, and I'm just like, right, like, where are you from? He's like, oh yeah, I'm from I'm from Tottenham. Like, yeah, I'm from yeah. Ends. Duh, duh, duh. I'm like, oh, I'm like, so oh, you're from Ends. He's looking at me like, well, yeah, I used to be. And that's different to being middle class, middle class like that's it, that's talking different. about with Aquila, you know what I mean? It's not the same kind as I said, of, maybe it's, there's... Yeah, it's a professional class. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, mm. it's not the same as being culturally middle class. Do you or, know how different I act at work to mm. how I act when I'm at home? a lot of the time. Because, <laughs> like, like if, you, if you see me come to work, you see me <laughs> and I will not, like, I, I, I will just... You know, but I will be prim and proper. That. Like I'll talk to you in a certain way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and like, it's, it's a, just it's. And you feel like there is this thing like people are like grabbing onto this like, oh, this working class background isn't it so romantic? And I don't even think it's like that. What? I think there's a difference between. That uh, is, there is an element of that. Clearly. There is an element there of is. that. I can't lie. I but so you can't just tell everyone that yeah. that is the case because a lot of times people work in certain environments that they. 
are not from and they may not feel comfortable mm. or and then they go back home and 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 they're different it's all about these tonal changes that you go through mm. but then to be like okay economically you're earning money that is well above the normal average person in a particular area but for you to say oh but you don't get the cultural like essence of this place because now you're somewhere else i think that's grossly unfair mm. to, to say that about somebody and i think most when you talk about authors and stuff most authors don't have that economic problem in terms of like earning <laughs> a certain amount of money because we don't earn that money you know what I mean? mm. so there's that on top of it as well you've got this job that everyone's saying is like middle, middle class, class but you're really not earning like people who are going to the city and working and stuff okay. but i suppose i feel i, I feel like like that kind of background a working class background an ends background whatever you want to call it kind of made me and define me and I wouldn't be in this position talking to you lot about what I'm talking about if I never had that experience you know and it's something that kind of you know if a guy comes to my house sometimes and he's dropping something off like a parcel and stuff and he knocks on the door and opens the door sometimes we just look at each other and we can see that thing that mm. thing of having the same kind of back background and it's just there and regardless of whether I'm an author or not it's just there people can look at me sometimes and just tell it mm. and it's, it's it's kind of it can be good and it can be not so good you know but it's something that I personally relish like I love having had that experience I think it's, it's you know it's, it's made me for one way or another you know it's given me all these great stories given me a great life experience growing up um, I, I personally wouldn't want to let it go but I know a lot of people didn't have that experience I know a lot of authors didn't have that experience particularly mm. black authors they had yeah. a fraught experience with growing up in a working class background yeah. and that's okay too yeah. well it's interesting that you're talking about this in the past tense so you know it's something that you've climbed out of unconsciously. Mm. You always talk about it as if it's an escape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. like, but yeah, that's yeah. what I'm. That's like what you've I'm, left. That's, you've in, removed. But that's exactly you've what climbed I'm saying. Out of. It's interesting exactly though. It's interesting though because I, I realize about myself sometimes that you've I write about it like it's an escape as well. You Ooh, know, I've done that a lot. Mean, but I think it's when it's when you're in a when you find yourself in a negative kind of working class situation, then you want to escape that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, you know, there are certain aspects of the way I grew up that were really, really, I mean, it was scholar territory, you know what I mean? None mm. of that stuff was like made up, you know? So, um, and, and you know, all of the books, when I write about that negative aspect of, of being in a certain environment, and sometimes it is the money thing, sometimes it's something else, you know? But um, yeah, yeah, I don't really, you know, I go and visit people in, in, in prison and I do workshops and I do readings and I feel that's a big part. I will never stop doing that because of yeah. a debt I owe. I mean, it's that kind of survivor's guilt, I suppose, you know what I mean? But, um, and I, yeah, I do think when I look at them, I'm like, okay, wow, man, that's so close. Was, yeah. And that I'm glad to be out of that. Yeah. But there's also all the stuff that I love, man. We yeah. created all this great, amazing stuff as yeah. well. I think do, you watch, um, sorry, do, you, do you watch Blackish? Oh, uh, yeah. And there was that. There was a. There was a similar episode yeah. on that, wasn't there? Yeah. Season three, when like I think his friend died in from the hood, mm -hmm. and they went back, yeah. and then he started. Then he and all his friends, because obviously the, the premise of Blackish is that they are in a completely different yeah. realm now, still in a white society, so they're still othered, but they've removed yeah, themselves yeah. from you know their backgrounds from wherever they were. Yeah. And obviously, in this episode, his friend died. He went back to the hood. He, he still he still hangs with his friends and stuff, but then it was that as you said, it was just a survivor's guilt comment that kind of mm. triggered that in my mind because he was mm. giving them gifts, he was giving them all these things. And they were like, you don't want that. We just need you to be our friend. Like, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was just, it was just a point, a point yeah. to raise. But, you know, removing themselves class-wise, obviously they understand that they are always going to be lower in society. They just have money. Mm. 
to be able to to be able to move and do certain things yeah you see what i mean yeah i i also think that this whole trying to get out thing it's 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 like it's looked on as this horrible thing that like, oh look at you trying to get away from authenticity and, and entering mm. that phony sort of place but phony. it's so where i live they're building new uh block of flats nearby and they're always sending mail like are you sure you don't want to move away because they're trying to bring in these new people because otherwise they'll have to relocate you to those new blocks which obviously mm. they don't want to because they want people who like can actually pay and my aunt's like listen i'm not mm. i'm staying here mm. but they're making living so horrible so people won't come right. and clean it's like they've removed certain people from other places so people who are like smoking and doing drugs like when i come back home from work they're just always like loitering outside mm. it is becoming absolutely horrific just mm. to like exist in that environment and i would like if somebody was to say you know what i really want to work so fucking hard so i can just get out of this place mm. i really like i'm all for it i'm like do what you have to do because escaping that for me isn't looking at your working class background as this horrible thing it's just you are trying to be better and you're trying yeah. to be in an environment where it's healthier for you and your children yeah, yeah. because i have like two um teenage boys right now and they're literally at home like their mom's like you're not leaving this house mm. you're not going out that you're not going out there yeah. and so i think that escaping is always looked on as this horrible thing mm. but sometimes you just want to survive is it yeah. who looks at it like that it's it's a bad thing to get out of the end. It's like it depends on no, how time. It, it, it is. It, 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 a lot of time, it's like, oh, you know, you made it out. Like, oh, look mm, at you. Oh, you've left. You left it behind. You're assimilating. Yeah, you know and what I mean? it's just it's quite targeted. But, um, yeah, yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. But apart from all of that, I actually have a question to ask you. Um, <laughs> so, so you, after you wrote uh, your first couple of books, specifically the scholar society within, what was it like then going into writing something very different like the uh, the gospel according to Cain because yes, I read I read I read, I read that and I was like okay well this is very different yeah, yeah um and yeah. I just wanted to know where you were and what inspired you to do that I'm wrestling with everything we just spoke about when I'm writing <laughs> the gospel according to Cain everything that you said and whatever and where yeah. am I and who am I and the gospel according to Cain came out of a uh, conversation I was having with um, a girlfriend of mine who'd come up to visit me I was living in Brixton at the time and we were just talking about um, being adults uh, walking down the street and around younger people who are like the people that we used to be when people were scared of us mm. who are now kind of feeling a little bit like okay you know I told this story of being on the bus and I got to the top deck of a bus in Stockwell and these birds are just sitting at the back of the bus <laughs> and they're just dashing two pences and um jelly beans at people basically <laughs> and no one was saying anything right because they were scared they're, and I'm on yeah because they were scared and 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 like they're, they're, they're just kids you know like they're just kids and they're on the bus and I'm with my wife at the time and she's pregnant and they're throwing this stuff and I was just not having it you know what I mean and even though I knew it was a stupid thing I had to get up and turn around and be like, if one of them hits her, then, and I just spoke to one guy, I was like, it's, just, it's me and you, basically. I don't care about any of those other guys, it's me and you, because you're dashing it's it. It's me and you. And then that was it, and I sat back down. But then at the same time, I was just like, what a stupid thing to do, you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, I don't know how that would have turned out. I, there was a, something from the week before where someone, someone had got into trouble for doing a similar thing and stuff that, that I found out about later. It was weird, but we were just talking about that and that whole situation of being like, wow, man, I remember being that kid 
who people was scared of. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I'd sit down on a bench and stuff and the woman on the bench would get up and move and stuff, <laughs> all that stuff, you know. I remember being that in the thing and being in that situation and being like, well, I'm just me. I'm not going to do nothing to you. And it still happens sometimes. So I was talking to my friend about that and this kind of disconnect that we have with our young people. You know what I mean? Where we can't have a conversation with them sometimes. Not everybody, but, you know, just in general, there's this fear of young people and mm. it's, it goes beyond race and stuff. And I was talking about that and then I started thinking, you know what, I need to write a book about that. But I don't really, you know, I want to come at it from kind of left field. Mm. I don't want to come at it directly. And that was the kind of seeds that made the gospel happen and then it grew and became slightly something else. Um, I don't know if people pick up on that in that book. It's a very odd book for me yeah in the sense that i think it's it's an allegory for a lot of stuff mm. Mm. and the story so i wrote about a woman who um whose child goes missing when he's eight months old and then you know she and she never sees him again and 20 years later he turns up on her doorstep and uh says uh i'm your son and she doesn't know whether he is or he isn't or he's just some kid playing a game and stuff but this guy just turns up and he's like she's a middle class black woman um, very middle class. She's got money in the family, you know, from the Caribbean or whatever. She's always been rich, rich husband. They split up after this happened. Uh, but he comes back like a kid from the ends. I really thought she was white. Yeah, no, she's not white. That's what I saw on the cover. I was like... Yeah. Uh, yeah, the cover does make people think that she's supposed to be white, but she's not. Is that positioning? Yeah. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's not. Yeah. And so uh, she's a very light-skinned black woman, and there's all that stuff that kind of comes into play with Colorism. that. And yeah, it's just a, it's just I use that as an allegory for what's happening to our young people, yeah, and, and how we feel that disconnect disconnect from kids that are basically you know, they come from us, you know. And again, it's not a racial thing or anything. I'm just talking about our kids, the generation that's underneath us, the ones we're supposed to be bringing up and nurturing. And mm. I shouldn't be talking to those kids that way. They shouldn't be dashing things. It's complicated, you know what I mean? It's like, what is going on? And so I was using him as a, a you know, a, a representation of all kids, you know, and, and she was a representation of society. And so mm. that's what it was really about. But I finished it in July, um, I think 2011. And then in August, um, the riots happened. Yeah. And I, I sat down and the book was done and I sat and I looked at it and I was like, I can't sell this book. <laughs> you know, that's it. No one's going to be interested because I was trying to look at it from the point of view of young people, you know, and say, you know, they're, they're kind of, we're failing them basically, mm. but no one wanted to hear that point of view at that point in time, even though that's exactly what happened. We failed young people mm. in 2011 massively. Yeah. Um, so, so, um, and, we, and we continue to do so, which is why we're here this week with what's going on now. Mm -hmm. But that's basically what the book was about and that's what I wanted to talk about and I wanted to talk about it from the perspective of me supposedly being middle class mm. yeah. and have changed you know at one time i was the scholar now i'm kind of like bev, <laughs> bev. Yeah. but bev is really exaggerated there's yeah. stuff that i would never think or say that she would say <laughs> i was like whoa bev. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so, yeah. so did you also feel like this was you i think this is your quote flexing your literary wings yeah, yeah yeah i i always like to try and do that mm. i always like to try i'm not really interested in doing the same thing over and over again um although again i don't want to ever forget where I came from and the subject matter that really will eternally interest me which is being you know black and British and working class so I'll come back to it but I'll try and find new angles to talk about it mm -hmm. but also just yeah experimenting with form style voice 
you know, writing the book from a completely woman's point of view this time and not being scared of that. All right, now I'm going to do it. Now I'm going (laughs) to do it. That kind of thing, you know. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm always my new book, which isn't I don't know uh, when it's going to happen. We're kind of working on it. But uh, that's like speculative fiction, short stories, man. So it's completely different. Yeah, right. So you're going to like them. <laughs> I let you. I let you guys have a look at it. Actually, yeah, yeah. amazing. Thank yeah. you. All right, let's um. Let's move on. To the next Just got a question for the best life bit. Um, okay, yeah. so there are writers out there, um, who are probably like struggling with like managing how to you know get an idea to paper and like um discipline and stuff. Um, I just wanted to see if you had any like tips for them to yeah. like do it. Have you? What have you? How have you dealt with like? You know the stress of being under a deadline mm. for these um, for your books and stuff, and just if you have anything that you can suggest to yeah. any of the listeners. I mean, the stress of being under a deadline, I try and just shake it off, you know. And I don't, I'm not always successful, you know. I'm sure in my house, uh, my family would be like, "Yeah, he does get stressed," you know. Mm. But <laughs> I try and even if I'm coming downstairs and I'm just like, "Ah, oh, I'm stressed and I need to," I'm trying to get it, get away from that, you know. So whatever I can do to kind of relax, whether it's watching a movie or watching some TV and uh, kind of de-stress or just having a drink and taking a chill for a while, I do that. And then you go back up in front of the computer and you try and just let that go. Once you're writing, you try and get back into that zone and forget everything and just be very blinkered uh, about what it is you're doing. So that's how I deal with deadlines, really. I just try not to worry and just, because, you know, you've got to get plugged in for it to happen and just totally immerse yourself in what it is that you're doing. Mm. Um, and I think the same goes for like generating ideas or anything to do with writing, really. And my, mm. my, my, my only real uh, advice would be just to get on with it, man, do it. Don't procrastinate, write the stuff down, whether it's your notes or it's your story itself, just like try and just always be writing. And if you're not writing, always be thinking about what you're gonna write. So you end up being like turned on all the time in the sense that you're always receiving and always willing to work on stories, basically. Just be open to stuff and be aware. And it'll just happen naturally, I think. Okay. How do you guys deal with deadlines? Because I know that we've had to <laughs> get... <laughs> deadlines. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm bad with, um, with deadlines. But I, I've got better. It used to be absolutely terrible, but I've had to get better because there's a lot of things I need to manage at the moment. So I... Yeah, but it's exactly what what Corte is saying. I try not to worry about it, mm. and then because every time I worry about it, I'll just sit in front of the computer, and then I, it just gets done anyway. So I just think about that. I always just think, well, last time you worried about it and it got done. You worried about it the time before mm. and it got done. I've never missed the deadline. Mm. So what am I really worrying about? Yeah. Um. So yeah, I just try and I try and think like that. And yeah, like well, I mean, when you're in the zone, it just it's it's it just it's just there. It just comes. Even if you have to sit in front of the the computer for like an hour yeah. just staring at the screen <laughs> eventually something will happen yeah, and yeah. it usually does so yeah yeah right i love a good deadline mm. honestly when someone tells me to do something i'm always like when do you want this done by <laughs> <laughs> um mainly because like just gives me a nice structured thing so i put it in my diary and then i have reminders um i like it di- i like it and i'm I like to say that I'm a last minute type of person, but mm. because I'm always thinking about what I need to do, possibly not. Like, even if I'm on the train, I'll write something in my notes just to remind me, oh, I've got this idea, I'll put it, write it down somewhere. So when I come to doing, like writing specifically, mm. I have so many things to pull from because I've actually already been thinking about it. Mm. So 
I like deadlines. I don't like this whole, yeah, right. And then whenever you can get back to me for, I'm like, no. Yeah, the role like that. Just say when. a nice deadline that I can work towards. So, mm. How do you deal with the pressure? Or are you just... Pressure? Is that okay? Because um, it's, it's always like a lot of people are thinking about the person that's asking for, oh, the, for the article. You know, do you know what, I mean? what it is? Like before I used to worry about that. And now I'm like, if I ask somebody for something... Um, I don't like being micromanaged. So if you're the type of person that you just let me do my thing. And then, then just I'm come cool. to you when it's yeah, a deadline time. When it's done. But if you're always going to be like, oh, and don't forget. And don't forget, that's when I get really pissed. Mm. <laughs> I'm like, listen, yeah. like, if the deadline has not passed, don't come and talk to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, like, I, I don't really think about the other person, to be honest. Unless, <laughs> I, I, unless I've missed the deadline, then I'm like, oh, I don't wait until I've missed it. It would be like the day before. And I'm like, oh, so by the way, yeah. can I just extend it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'm always in the safe zone. All right. Yeah, but then when you ask for an extension, they're probably thinking, see, if I had chased her up a little bit more, you would have it done on time. <laughs> yeah. That's true. As long, as long but as I didn't really think about that. <laughs> as long as there's a genuine reason for the extension. Uh, yeah, I'm like, not that I forgot, but... So I never forget. It's mm. so weird. Like I, it's, well, if I have ever told you I forgot, I'm lying. I just want, you, I just want it to be out there. Because I genuinely don't forget anything. Okay. Because I always write everything down. Yeah, you got your list. Yeah. <laughs> of things to do, right? Yeah. Like, no, I mean, I, like, that's a good way to manage yeah, it. Like, mm. I don't forget anything. So yeah. if I, like, if you told me something, I don't forget. So yeah. if I do, if I tell you, I'm, I'm lying. I'm so sorry in <laughs> advance for, you know, I'm definitely lying. <laughs> All right. Well, that's the, that's the segment. Yeah. Yay. Oh, it's my part. It's mostly flicks. Oh, God. I always do this. Yeah. I know you get really pissed off at me. Alex. Oh, you know what? I'm over it. and um this week we all watched or supposed to have watched i don't know if you guys have watched it i didn't watch it of course you didn't um the shawshank redemption okay so did you like the film (laughs) (laughs) how did you not like this film you know why i don't like this film and i know there's a really ironclad reason i think you'll forgive me okay is because um i love the novella Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, and yeah. I just it just can't it doesn't match up for me. You know, I read it when I was a kid. I read it in you know a long time ago, and it is one of my favorite novellas, short stories yeah. like ever. Okay. And I, I just can't, can't get yeah. over that. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. But <laughs> are you <laughs> able to look at the? Because I haven't read it. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched this film like a few years back, and to be honest, it's not one of those films that gets you hyped. But I feel like it's one of those films that you can. I like to watch it on like a nice like Sunday evening, mm. and I'm watching it, and I'm just like <laughs> a nice Sunday evening. Let's watch the Shawshank. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. So no, I get Sundays, that. I get that. Sundays are my like film day. So during yeah. the day, I'll watch like my trashy girly chick film, like yeah, yeah, the Proposal, yeah, like you yeah. know, Pretty Woman. And then in the evening times, I'll watch like real deep things, like things that you have to sit down and like. It's one of those slow movers, you know. And I felt like the Shawshank Redemption for me was a very slow mover until the mover, end. Yeah. Um, and at the end, you just have that, rah, like, okay. Remember how I came to the Shawshank Redemption? What's I was it watching, about, um, family, oh watching Family God, Guy. I watched it. Watching Family Guy, and I had the, the parody on there. Let me give you a synopsis. That's the only way I found. Mm-hmm. Oh, so the Shawshank Redemption is about, it was about prison. a prison called Shawshank. Yeah. And it's about um, prisoners within the film, within the prison, obviously, and how um, it's ultimately, it's their relationship as prisoners, mm. um, their interaction with the wardens and the guards, and it's kind of like an embodiment of, an embodiment of hope. And like how they kind of like get out of there and like where they want to get out of there. I know what you're chatting about. But that's what the that's, that's, that's what the film is about. <laughs> no, 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 I mean, no, no, that's I, I like agree, the I general agree. like yeah. over She's gonna okay? come and say Andy Dufresne. So basically, like, Andy Dufresne. <laughs> his name's Dufresne. Yeah, Dufresne. <laughs> this is uh, Tim Robbins. Um, basically, he's been sentenced for a crime they didn't commit. Then he goes in there. He meets Morgan Freeman. Red. You know, 
my my you know Morgan's like so it's like life basically. Who? Eddie oh, Murphy and Martin oh, Lawrence. Yeah. Is it like yeah. life? It's not. It has yeah. It's, it goes but, in a different yeah yeah direction. But I can see, see, it's I can about see the relationship it, between the prisoners and it's, yeah. it has a lot of things yeah. with regards to like prison life. Yeah, and how <laughs> you go about. I can see you where know, you made the connection. No, definitely. And his first yeah, night yeah. in prison was a bit like deep. Yeah. But so basically, he escapes. Sorry. Oh, spoiler. Oh. spoiler. <laughs> well, I mean, it was like 30 years ago. It does lead up. I think that's one of the key parts but of the it's, film. What's but what's great is how he escapes. I thought that was amazing because it wasn't yeah. the first night that he... Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But, um, so what are you like? Okay, so, right, so you've not seen it. You don't like the film. <laughs> and, you've, and you've not watched it. How I like the story. I like what? the story. No, guys, go watch the story. No, no, what I was going to ask though is like, what do you guys think about institutionalization of, ooh, that's of a good people? One. Like, because there's a there's a big question in there. Um, there's a guy called I think it's Brooks, and he um, gets he, his parole's up, so mm. he can leave after he's been in there for like fifty odd years, mm. and he doesn't know how he's going to manage, like out in the outside world. You know, mm. they, there's this piece within the film where they're like, you know, inside we're important, we have our roles, we're respected. Outside we we're nobody we're mm. just like every we're con men mm. we're, we're, we're criminals yeah. um, so I wanted to just kind of raise that question about inst- institutionalization and like how important important or what impact that actually does have on each leave. person because you can put that back down to schools yeah. you know we were in school for like 16 years aren't we yeah, yeah. then you leave and all of a sudden yeah. I then, think, I think and, then, that's... and then you're in, you're in prison for how many years did they tell you yeah. but you are, then you have then... to I think the question is what are prisons failing to do if people are coming out and they're not prepared for the life well, that awaits rehabilitate. them? Rehabilitate, yeah, they're failing exactly. to rehabilitate. Yeah, yeah. yeah they definitely. they need to be, but then they're not yeah, yeah. being rehabilitated. Yeah, no. so yeah, yeah, you can kind of rehabilitate yourself mm. sometimes if you have the tools and stuff, and you get the right people. You, you know, you meet the right people system, who have a support yeah. system. Maybe your family supports you. Someone inside, you can get yourself together and stuff. But but I mean, that's not the norm, right? The norm is people just actually come out and fall on your face a bit yeah you know? i think the worst thing is when i look at like the young black men who are being sentenced to long prison sentences mm. they come out if they don't have that support system mm. so many times when like i don't know if there's this documentary on netflix oh god what's it called it's about that's more like the american prison system mm. the, is it 15 the 13 um i watched yeah. i watched that and i was like just appalled yeah and i look at the young black men here and and the shit that awaits them when they're out but mm. at the same time they've been in for so long and they come out and i'm like okay what how 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 good is prison as a solution to rehabilitation you know, I think because at the same yeah. time I'm th- i don't want to be romantic in that you've done something bad you should be treated really really well because technically you've done something bad yeah but yeah how do you go back in society to do some sort of good? I think, I think, pri- no, I think the problem is that one prison doesn't rehabilitate the way it should, and also t- the prisons and societies don't work t- well together mm. to help that person get back into the world. So, mm. you can be rehabilitated in, in prison, it doesn't do a massive amount of good if when you come out, you're stigmatized, you, you can't get a job, you can't, you do can't that. get a job, you're, you know what I mean? In poverty, so, you go back to doing the same thing that you were doing yeah. before, yeah. I think, I think the entire set setup is yeah. against rather than for yeah. prisoners and i mean yeah. if someone's been to prison they've served their time they've served their time mm. when they come out they should be able to just 
do whatever they were doing before. But I think they should be. I think it shouldn't just be like they've served their time. It should be counselling now. Yeah, like how do you change? How do you change the behaviour? But that's what I'm saying. But that's supposed to happen. This this, this is what I'm saying. That's supposed to happen in prison. So people see prison as just go there, sit down, do your thing, then come out. But it's supposed to be you go Mm. there then get the counselling and people's... It needs yeah. to happen when people are coming out as well, you know, because I see a similar mm. thing with, like, the army as well. Right? Say that, yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, people are going into the army, they're being trained to do certain things, they do their tours and stuff, and then they come back out on the street and then they can't get a job. Same thing. Yep. It's exactly the mm. same thing. So if that's happening for people who have done good and they've gone and fought for us and that's all of it. that, and then they come back and they're in the same situation as someone who went to prison, something ain't right with that, yes, man. Yes, you know what I mean? Yeah, Society absolutely. as a whole is failing in some way, you know? Mm. And that's really uh, that's grim. You know, I didn't even know that. It's only when I saw certain documentaries about people coming from Afghanistan and coming from Iraq and stuff, and they're saying, "Oh, I used to do this in the army, but this is ir- irrelevant in the real world." You know, what I mean, no one wants someone who does a job like that. You yeah. know, this is what I've trained to do, and that's all I know, really. Yeah, because I know that in the army, I think isn't aren't there like several like stratospheres and what you can do? So there's people mm. that are obviously are on the front line, and yeah, they're yeah. just basically they're there to fight yeah. and combat. But then there's also the people that work in the Army, Navy, Royal Air Force who are doing engineering and they're getting the qualifications yeah. to do that. So right. they're the ones that will come out better mm-hmm. than the people that were, that were in the front. In the front line, and, yeah. and it's funny because the way that they, t- they tend to recruit them is like straight out of school. The ones that don't, the ones that go... They know nothing Yeah, mm-hmm. they go straight into fighting because yeah. that's all, and then because they're easier to... Because that's um, what they want. Yeah, it's like a full metal jacket. You've seen full mm-hmm. metal jacket. Yep. Yep. It's, it's the exact same thing in that, but... Um, in America, it's crazy. I, I don't know if this is true or not, but someone was like, there are, like, army people who drive around the hood trying to recruit black people to join the that army. That was in um, Drown. Is this, that true? This, this is how you lose... Uh, Drown by Gina Diaz. Mm-hmm. This is how you lose. Oh, was it? Yeah, yeah sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> because they were driving around and it was, like, trying to recruit him. Yeah, yeah that like, doesn't yeah. happen here, does it? Uh, not in exactly the same way. I don't think there's people driving around. Yeah, those yeah, nice yeah. Like, army adverts that they have. Yeah, which yeah. army? Oh, oh, there was oh, an army yeah, advert yeah. where there was like a Muslim man. Or join the Marines. Or, yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm just like, like I am, like, I am this. I'm not gonna lie. I, I, I liked that advert. Did yeah. you? <laughs> I, obviously, I don't like what it's, it. what it's about, but yeah. I liked what they, I thought. You guys are really clever. You no, know what not you do. clever. I mean, it was so blatant. Mm. I was yeah, like, but look people, at you. People will fall for that. It's ridiculous because I'm thinking, trying to you're trying to get a Muslim man to be there praying to show people oh look you can you still can join the too. army even though you're, we're going to be killing <laughs> killing all of these muslims in, in, in these middle too. eastern countries i was so appalled i was like yeah, the audacity yeah, yeah, wow yeah. and whoever that that's was that I, I was literally like, right, like very very bold. I, want, bold I want to know whether that person's actually muslim or they made him act yeah because then that would have been something anyways so yeah because yeah. even in the film it's like they're just obviously within the title they're all learning how to redeem themselves like for they obviously andy dufresne was framed Mm. Yeah. Before he got in, and he kind of had to like, he there was a bit where he's talked about, um, you know, he came into the prison a good man, and he le- and he became a crook yeah. Yeah. in it. Yeah. And that was just like there's something. I liked in when that. he was telling all those really people about their yeah. accounting stuff. Yeah, I loved it. I was like, I he, just, he, came, he, went, he came in there to scam them. Yeah, he was scamming. He's like, listen, <laughs> you got to try and have me here for all this time, and you know what? I can't. Not, I cannot come out. Come here and like die. Yeah, I come here and die. I kind of come here and let you guys just, um, you know, take the piss. But um, I think it, I feel it was a really good film. It just, there's a lot that there's a lot of questions raised in there. Mm. Um, just like you know, even the amount of suicides that happen mm. with people that come out of prison, 
and stuff just just simply just by the way that they're treated in society yeah, yeah. just just the, just their treatment like and uh, no i was just gonna say i was just thinking sorry i thought you were finished but um yeah. I, was, I was thinking is that would the film make you um like read the story would you think you would go back and read the story or yeah would that kind of, i'm interested yeah. in that correlation between you talk about the scholar and stuff yeah you know the films and the, their source material i low-key forgot I that it was a novella slash yeah, yeah. short story yeah, yeah. and then so i was reading so i obviously read around it again mm-hmm. i was like oh yeah it is a it is a book i don't think i'll go back and read it to be honest mm-hmm. it's just one of those films that i've seen yeah yeah so many times yeah i, I think i think it worked i mean if the movie is like tries to convey certain ideas and i don't think that they've managed to do it well mm. and it, there is a novel i will just assume the novel does it better and mm. i'll go and read it so it's something like the, like green, the, mile. the green mile yeah. yeah i will go back i, I want to go and read the book because mm. i feel like the movie but the movie it, did the movie did it did the movie is good but there's there's some mm. things that like i think the movie wasn't able me. to portray like it, it was it was scary but also the, in terms of like the magical realism elements of it, mm. I don't feel like this the movie captured that very well. Mm. To me, it was just like it was even just, now when I think about the movie, it's just like what 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 was really going on with mm. with my man? Like what? But I feel was like Stephen King. What, what was going on? I feel like Stephen King films have a grit about them that won't be as explicit with the mysticism as his books would be. Yeah, I think I think that's kind of like because yeah. even though he has input in, I feel like he has input in both. I would imagine so. Mm, I think it's very li- limited. To yeah, be I think they're respectful of his material. Yeah, but, except yeah. The Shining. I heard he didn't like the movie at right. all. Really? Yeah. yeah, I heard he was very. Like he just hated it. But that but, is but, better but, than the book. Really? Yeah. I, I mean, in my opinion, yeah. you know I mean, that is better than the book. Yeah. I am. Yeah. Um, so I, the Great Gatsby. Um, when I read it, I feel like shut up. <laughs> when I read it, um, <laughs> when I read it, the Roaring Twenties aspect didn't really come out for me. Mm. I thought that was a bit. It was done quite blandly. You bloody um, what? Yeah. Um, <laughs> like the Roaring Twenties for me, it was more like a, a sweet love story, but the. The, the parties and all of that, it, it wasn't really in my face as much because I was very much focused on Jay and stupid winch that I don't like. Um, <laughs> so Daisy, her name is Daisy. Daisy, Daisy. I know Daisy Buchanan. Daisy. I know, we called her wench, I'm just correcting Yeah, you. no, she's a wench. Um, <laughs> anyway, so for me, that story was literally about them yeah. and everything else was a bit in the shadows. Mm. I was literally just focused on his relationship with Daisy, him trying to make himself more rich essentially um for her so but when i watched the film because it was shot so very artistically and the roaring you couldn't escape it that's when i went back and reread it and i was like ah so it the the the, the film gave the book more color in my eyes mm. um and i think i liked it better the second time i read it mm. Because I think I do, I do, I do, I do, I do, I do, no, I agree with Ray because I did read that book in black and white. <laughs> yeah, it, it just didn't what? Come I read the book in, bl- I read the book in black and white. You, oh, okay. All because right. even though, probably because, no, nah, yeah, because I was studying it, but like, I was like, no, nah, this but is who just. who did the film? It's, it's, it's um, Baz Luhrmann. Ba- yeah, Baz Luhrmann. Mm. He, he shoots like that, do you know what I mean? So it's, 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 it's the same the thing, film. like, even when I watched um, Romeo and Juliet, like, I, I read it, I love Romeo and Juliet, but because he shoots in a specific way, the color of something really shines out. Mm. And I went back after what um, seeing the film with Leo again, um, I went back and reread like Romeo and Juliet and it was so much more beautiful. So I do think films can uh, add things to novels. Yeah. Do you think Baz Luhrmann improved on Romeo and Juliet? Is that what you're saying? 
Yeah. Wow. In terms of how I read him. So I I read like You read him thing. academically. Yes. Like when I read I think that's Romeo it, I read... And, when I read Romeo and Juliet the first time, it was like I read it when I was like in year eight mm. point and I read it again in year nine. But I watched the film in like no, year nine I watched it after I had read yeah. it and I went back and I was and I was like, Oh shit. That's interesting, like, it's then. Just... So the first time you read Gatsby, did you read it? I read, I no, I didn't read it academically. I read it I, because every other academic person told me to read it. So I read it. Academically. And I, and That's I probably why you didn't. Yeah. I, read, I read it academically as well. I read it because... How do I analyse this? Yeah, you read it stuff. because... Yeah, I read it as a novel. I just yeah, picked I didn't it up. Read it. That's what I was saying. The second time I read it as a novel. That's what I was saying. I'm going to come for you too, That's what I was saying. That's interesting. You can't even come for me if you try. You can't even come for me as well. I know where he's going with this point. There's nothing wrong with reading something academically, but... It is different. It is different because you're looking at your deconstructing. That's why I was like... Because I was reading it because it's for we had American history module. So we're looking at all the bootleg stuff. I was trying to like find all the points to figure out like yeah. what life was like there. Yeah, yeah. It was just really, it was, I wasn't really yeah. caught up in the, the characters and all that. I was just going through to think. And I feel like I wanted, like I wanted a love story with Daisy and when I walked in like, okay, these people can't be together because of like social and economic issues. And, but I just didn't feel like, that's why I hated Daisy. Cause I'm like, wow, this man really loves you. <laughs> And you're actually trying to be like a, a fool. He didn't love her. This is this. Well, he okay, love he loved her. He didn't love her. This we can, is for we can, we can discuss another it. Episode. We can try and academicize it. Cool, he didn't love it's her. I agree episode. with you. I don't think he loved. Her. I don't think he actually loved her. It's I think he episode. loved everything around. I'm not academicizing anything. Well, that the novel. is you are academicizing. The novel is not about. It's, it's the love story okay. is secondary. But I walked in it wanting the love story to be primary. So okay. that's where well, we have our differences. Wrong, then. So How do you read something wrong? <laughs> How do you read something wrong? Look at the fucking arrogance. <laughs> so that's mostly flicks, guys. If you've seen Shawshank Redemption, if you read the book, Please if you, what you, if you like Stephen King, if you have any questions shit. for us, you know, discount the last two minutes of this conversation. It's fine. Um, but yeah, um, but that's mostly flicks this week. And I told you that I was going to have a... Um, uh, raise issues and I said I was going to do something and then you told me to do something else and now I want to I never to told you to else. do anything. Okay, so basically... I suggested. Um, so... <laughs> but what did I actually come to you with? Because now I've forgotten. Education. Something. What? I don't know what you're saying. You were supposed anyway. to remember. Anyways, it's nothing big, guys. It's just like white people, white peopling. Um, <laughs> and somebody went out to say again to Fuahash that she should oh, be yeah. grateful. Why isn't she showing a smidgen of gratefulness to the greatness of the United yeah. Kingdom and all that they're doing for um, the world, mm. um, all that they did for the world? And it just reminded me of the same sort of narrative that was blessed and, and you know, bestowed upon uh, Stormzy yeah. <laughs> when he was again told to be grateful. And, you know, it always takes me back to that essay by Musa Kongo on gratefulness. Um, and it's something that so somebody said that you know these people are not trying to be racist I suppose um, but they just don't understand that they are racist um, and I was just like no actually I forgot what his name was and I'm like I don't think that gratefulness to be grateful to the United Kingdom for me isn't this thing that is like it's it's not apparently racist it is for me anyway because I feel like to want gratefulness is to see that you're you are superior to whoever it is and they should be thanking you for something and i feel like that something is so racially charged that and so powered by racial differences and economic differences that you cannot come and say some if you expect gratefulness you are not being racist in a way it's also it just completely discounts historically 
you know, our experience of our encounters with the West, yeah. but particularly England, you know, to say that we should be grateful. Grateful for what? Let's go run down the list of what <laughs> happened and let's talk about gratefulness in that capacity. Yeah. No, no, not yeah. at all. Yeah. So that, that's what um, some, some, some no, I think old... He, Stephen Glover, I read the, yeah. the article and it's like he started off with like, you know, the liberal left have a, have a tradition of, rebelling against or returning back to their cult their countries disgusting blah 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 blah, blah. he's only started talking about the french revolution etc et i would have stopped reading it from there i did i oh. was like i was like i you know it just goes dot, 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 mm. whatever really because for the french revolution you know, to, you know to be because they were like rubbish. you know to come and say that she, she has to be grateful for the way we're treated in this country for the opportunities that she's had and like it even comes to the even comes to the whole discussion about the commonwealth as well like they're, they're amping up this the games they're amping up all of the um the the, the stuff that's happening there and i'm just like i don't like why is it why, none of no no one feels pro- like I, it's because they think that they are better than the rest of the world essentially that is like they think that they've they've done amazing yeah. things for the world apparently but they forget that they enslaved i mean literally it's like the world and they've gone in to disrupt people's histories yeah. and they have made immigrants of people in their own damn countries. There was a whole railway system Jamaica. in Jamaica. As soon as it got independence, that railway stopped. Stop. Yeah, same thing in Zanzibar. You know what I mean? Like same thing that you see in Kenya. Like yeah, you know I mean, as you said, Zanzibar. I think that's the same thing in a lot of countries. Exactly, and everything just stopped. Yeah. Yeah. They were like, okay, <laughs> cool. Like, so many places with, like, with railroads going um, yeah. through. Yeah, like yeah. yeah, it just stops. You just like well. They didn't even leave them with the infrastructure to be able to just continue to build. But the narrative is like, especially in India, I've heard it a lot. You know, we gave you the railroad. Like, what? Hold on, there's Indian people that built that as well, and yeah. you used it to export, you know, the goods out of the country and sell them all around the world and make yourself rich. So you weren't doing it for Indian people. You didn't give it to people. Mm. You used it. You know. Yeah. So your own convenience. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, that's uh, that's my issue for today. Um, do better, essentially. Can they? That's it, can they? I'm so tired. <laughs> anyway. Um, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I yeah. don't know. Yeah. All right, so we come to the end of the show. Do we have any shout outs? Do you have any shout outs? Anybody? Oh my God, thank you, thank you so much. To Did we already talk about it? What's that? Uh, future yeah yeah we, yeah, we did but beginning. we can shout them out again yeah future bit 40 amazing people that we were surrounded with like the list is impeccable um, so you know we're very grateful and yeah. shout out to um, Nika Shukla and his new book launch oh yes the yeah one. Alex and I went the one who one who wrote Destiny the one, one who wrote Destiny, Destiny. Um, um, big 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 it yeah. was like it was a nice launch it's yeah. a nice launch it's a, it's a good environment good people Mm-hmm. Um, I went to, po- to I went to a poetry night last night at my friend's event called Ho Noir, mm. and um, Ho Noir, yeah, Ho Noir, and it's black hoes, no, <laughs> yeah, but I mean they're, they're playing on that. Okay, yeah, it's like <laughs> the French the French way of writing, anyway. Yeah, but um, yeah, but it's like a poetry night for women of color um, to come and like create and perform and stuff, it's, and it's only it's only exclusively exclusively for them to perform and stuff. So it's a space that she's curating for that. So you know she's. They've started a crowdfunder to do um, workshops in Birmingham. So, yeah, and check them out. Ho uh, Noir, everywhere. H-E-A-U-X-N-O-I-R-E. Perfect. So Thank that you. was really cool. Do you have anything, Derek? No, I'm good, bro. Dope. 
Um, thank you, Koshi. Thank you so much thank you for coming. For As I told you, time, these other two boys, they don't know about you. <laughs> it's all about me and you, like, as I said. Thank you thank so much. You've actually made my childhood it. dreams come true. Nah, I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, really, seriously. No, thank you so much for coming. Man. Thank it you. Was a, it was a pleasure. pleasure to have you. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah it was great. Okay. It's great. <laughs> I know, just, not just us, like, yeah, fighting no, out. No, 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 no. I'm talking books for an hour. Yeah, I'm all good, man. This yeah. is brilliant. Yeah. Amazing. All right, guys. Well, you know you know where to find us. Yes, please, please <laughs> no, like, email know. us um, if you have any questions, any queries, um, um, mostly at gmail.com. Please um, go on bloody iTunes and rate and review. Yep. Um, subscribe. We really need you guys to do that and subscribe. Um, thank you so much for listening. We're really grateful. Catch oh. us on Twitter. At mostly lit. <laughs> yeah. Catch us on Instagram. At mostly lit pod. Yeah, cool. cool. And then you'll find us. We're, we're we're in these Twitter streets, so it's fine. Somewhere. Somewhere. Yeah. Cool. All right. Cheers, guys. Thanks, guys. Bye. 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 I'm Derek. <laughs> and I'm Ray. <laughs> I'm Alex Reed. Welcome back to another episode of Mostly, mostly Lit. lit. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.